Hey, FCF Church. If somebody would have told me a year ago, I'd be standing in my family room, giving a message, looking at the back of an iPad and not another human being other than my wife who's off to the side, I would have never, ever believed it. And yet, here we are. I started a series last week called Going the Distance. And by going the distance, I mean this, faithfully sticking to that purpose for which God has created me. And that purpose is the same for each and every one of us. We don't have to ever be unclear about it. The purpose for your life, the purpose for my life, clearly taught in God's Word, is that I am to grow and develop to become the human being that God created me to become, a Christ-like version of myself and I, you, we are to do the things that God has uniquely called and equipped us to do. Being who I'm meant to be, doing what I'm meant to do. That's the purpose of our lives, and that's what it means to go the distance, fulfilling that purpose. Now, last week we did the first message. It's just a three-series message, and we started off with the question, what can I expect? If we don't have realistic expectations, we won't run the race till it's in. We'll, we'll get off course. Today I want to ask the question, that's equally important, staying focused when we're in this race, when we're going to go the distance, becoming who we were meant to become and doing what God intended us to do, we need to stay focused, but stay focused on what? I mean, what, what is it that we need to stay focused on? Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna introduce a couple uh, experiential cycles that all of us will be more or less familiar with. The one cycle I call this, I see it, I want it. And we could simply call it this, goal orientation. We all know what that experience is like. We see something, we decide we want something, and it sets off this tremendous uh, motivational energy effect within us. Now, I have this step-by-step, -step, and I'm just gonna share the steps with you. So we catch a vision of something. Something catches our sight, our attention, and then we ponder it until we decide, do I value that? Now, if I value it, if it, it some way entices me, now I'm motivated. My energy starts to be churned up. The next step in that is I start to pursue it. After I pursue it, I have to start to prioritize. If I want this thing bad enough, I start to subordinate everything in my life to see to it that I can acquire or achieve whatever this value or this goal is. And then the last step is I need to persevere. I need to persevere to the end. Now, a grand illustration of this is something we're all familiar with, these Olympic athletes. I mean, they give maybe 16 years of their life. Everything in their life is subordinated to just win a gold medal. For some reason, for some reason, the gold medal catches their attention. They value it. They start pursuing it. And tremendous energy gets uh, put together and they pursue it with a passion. Now, if you studied anything much on Olympic athletes, there's an interesting thing that happens. It also happens to top athletes of many different kinds and even people that are uh, actors and actresses, singers, and e even people that are CEOs and so on, and it's this. Once they pursue their goal, their vision to the end, and achieve it, acquire it, they go through this cycle that I think we're all so familiar with, and the cycle is this. So what? Now what? So this thing that's consumed us and, and there's a lot of excitement when we're in the chase, all of a sudden we get it, we get what we want only to discover we don't want what we got. And we say, so what? I got it, now what? Read about Olympic athletes and athletes and so forth, they go through a lot of serious depression because of this. Now this sets in motion another cycle. Usually at this point we either get deeply depressed and we go around in circles for a while or 
we very quickly pick yet another goal and start pursuing it. Now, let me share this next cycle with you. And I'm going somewhere with this FCF, I promise you. I wonder if you ever had the experience, you're hungry and you go into your house and you're like, you don't know what you want to eat. You know you want something, but you don't know what. So you go through the fridge and you're looking through it and you're looking through the cabinets. Now, your underlying thought is this, even though you don't know what you want to eat, you believe that when you see it, you will know it. Likewise, you've probably gone shopping at times. Maybe you're going out to get a, a shirt. You don't have a shirt, a specific shirt in mind, but you have an intuitive confident, uh, confidence that when you see it, you will know it. This is a very, very important cycle too. After we pursue a goal, after we get to the so what, now what, often, often we're driven again because we had this sense there's something still out there. There's some goal, there's some special goal, there's some supreme goal, there, there's some achievement, there's some acquisition that, that if I can just figure what it is, if I can just find it, it will keep me full of enthusiasm. It will be so satisfying, so meaningful that for every day of my existence, I will be glad that I pursued it. I'm going to call this thing there's this intuition that we have as humans for something that I'm going to call the goal of goals, the supreme goal, the ultimate goal, the prize. So staying focused on, question mark, I'm going to suggest to you that God has created us. He's wired us to stay focused on the ultimate goal, the goal of goals, the prize. Now I want to take you to a portion of scripture in the book of Philippians. The apostle Paul was the instrument that the Spirit of God used to write the book of Philippians. Many of you have heard me teach on it at other times. When he wrote this letter, he was incarcerated. He was chained uh, to a, a Roman uh, praetorian for you know uh, two, two years. So he doesn't know if he's going to live or die. He says this early in the letter. So that's his conditions. It's important you know that the man is incarcerated because he would not st stop telling people the truth about Christ and the truth about life. That's all he did. He's in prison, doesn't know if he's going to live or die. That's the condition that he writes what he's going to write in. So let me start reading now in the book of Philippians in chapter 3. I can't give you page numbers like we do when we're in church. But um, Philippians chapter 3, and I do hope you will read this on your own and study it on your own. But I'm going to start in verse 10, and we're going to work our way through some verses. Ultimately, we'll get through verse 17. But for now, we're just going to go 10 through 12. Here's what he says. He says, my aim, now, now, now keep in mind his language, my aim, he could have said, my goal, my aim, my goal is to know him, meaning Christ, to experience the power of his resurrection, to share in his sufferings and be like him in his death. Sort of a strange sounding goal. He goes on and says in verse 11, and so somehow attained to the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12, not that I have already attained this, that is, I have not already been perfected, but I strive to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. Now, this is one of these wonderful portions of Scripture where the Bible interprets itself. So bear with me, and you'll, you'll learn some good interpretive skills if you, if you follow with me carefully that will allow you to read the Bible on your own, and God's Spirit will be able to speak to you. But let's look at it in verse 10. He says, my aim. Well, what is your aim, Paul? He tells us in the next phrase, to know him. Uh, what does he mean to know him, to know Christ? Well, 
He's going to explain it with several other phrases, but I'm going to give you a little insight here. The Greek word, the New Testament was written in Koine Greek, common Greek. The Greek word that is used here is gnosko, and it means not just to know that something is true or false. It's, it's a word for experiential knowledge. It means like I can read about a marathoner, but I'm going to know experientially what a marathoner feels like if I train and run a marathon. That's what Paul is saying. Paul's saying, I, I want to know what it feels like, what Jesus felt like inside. I want to know what he thought. I want, to, I want to know exactly what he was like inside. I want to experience that. So he says, that's my aim. My aim is to know him, to experience the power of his resurrection. What does he mean, the power of his resurrection? He means that since Jesus rose from the dead, dead he wants to live in light of Jesus' new heavenly, ruling, reigning life. It looked like when Jesus was on that cross, it looked like sin and evil and political power and brute force were superior. But when Jesus rose from the dead, he made very clear that those things are shallow and they're weak. And so now Jesus lives in this limitless eternal life where everyone in his domain is righteous and loving and sacrificially good. And Paul is saying, man, I want to live with Jesus' resurrection influencing my perspective. I want to live with my eyes on that resurrected dimension where Jesus rules and reigns, where everybody loves him, loves righteousness, loves one another. I want that to be on my heart, governing my perspective. And he's saying, that's my aim. I want, I want to know Jesus experientially, experientially, and I want his resurrection to influence me so that I'm living in light, constantly in light of that resurrection life that he brought forth. But he's going to add a new layer to the explanation. He says, not just to experience the power of his resurrection, but to share in his sufferings and to be made like him in his death. Well, that, what does he mean by that? Why does he want to share in Jesus' sufferings and to be made like him in his death? We have to ask ourselves. Now, mind you, Paul is, is explaining. This is his aim. This is his goal. Jesus' sufferings and death were for or were so that the full revelation of God for the first time in the history of the universe could be revealed. It was when Jesus, as a human being, a sinless human being, allowed himself to be mocked and beaten and made fun of and nailed to a cross and experienced death, that the whole universe of angels and humans could see once and for all that our God, who is the almighty God, who can do anything he wants, never does anything he wants, but in fact, his action are always governed by his sacrificial love. He proved for the whole universe that he is the safest person in the universe, that he is totally and entirely trustworthy. So Jesus' sufferings and Jesus' death were so that the truth about God and the truth about life could be revealed to human beings so that, so that, Human beings would be drawn back to Christ, drawn back into a trusting relationship with their creator. So Paul is saying, man, here's my aim. I, I want to know Jesus. I want to know what it felt like inside. I want to experience the power of his resurrected life. I want to know, know even his sufferings. I, too, want to live a life where even if it incurs suffering, I want to suffer so that people can see the truth about God, learn the truth about life in the hopes that many of them will be drawn back to trust in God. Paul was saying that was his aim. Now, you're going to see how intense he felt about this aim or this goal as it goes on. He goes on to say in verse 11, in fact, just to get some fluidity here, my aim is to know him, to experience the power of his resurrection, to share in his sufferings, and to be made like him in his death. And so somehow 
to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now, Paul is not doubting that Jesus is going to raise him from the dead. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he devotes an entire chapter to the teaching that all who have trusted in Christ are going to be raised and transformed. So that ends on what he's saying. He's saying, I want in this life, while I'm still living and breathing on this earth, I want to really experience the full resurrected life. In other words, he's saying, he's going to explain it even further in verse 12. I can't wait to take you there because it interprets itself. He's saying, but I want to experience completeness, perfection while I am still alive. Complete transformation to become the Christ-like version of myself that I was always meant to be. Listen how the scripture interprets itself in verse 12. He's going to tell you what he means by attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12, not that I have already attained. Attain what, Paul? The full resurrection from the dead, which means transformation to the likeness of Christ. Not that I've already attained this. That is, I have not already been made, and the next word is perfected. I have not already been perfected. The, the Greek word there is it's teleo. It is a word for something that comes to full blossom, full maturity, something that is finally complete. Paul is saying, I haven't yet reached the goal. I haven't, I haven't you know, fulfilled my aim. I have not been yet made completely like Christ. So that's what he's saying here. He interprets what he means by attaining to the resurrection. Not that I've already attained this. That is, I have not already been perfected. But now I listen to his words. I strive. That word there, Greek word is dioko. It's used twice in this passage. It is the word that is elsewhere translated in the New Testament for persecution. It means I dioko, I strive after this. Paul is saying, with all the intensity and the full engagement of my being, I pursue this goal of perfect Christ-like character development. That's what Paul is saying here. Not that I've already attained this. I have not already been perfected, but I strive to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. Folks, we need to understand that it's God's eternal purpose that we experience a restoration of our trust with God, with Christ our Creator in this life, but then that restoration starts this full developmental process that God always intended for humans to go through, a gradual developmental process where we slowly but surely partake of and then gain for ourselves the very character of Christ our Creator. It's always been God's intention. It was His intention for Adam and Eve, but it got spoiled when Satan slandered the character of God and they broke trust with God. So Paul is saying that this is the goal of goals. Now he's going to get even more expressive about this as he goes on. So let me take you now uh, to verse 13. He says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have attained this. Instead, I am single-minded, forgetting the things that are behind and reaching out for the things that are ahead. With this goal in mind, I strive toward the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Pause for a minute. He started out calling this his aim. Then he starts talking now about it's his prize. I used a term in the beginning of this message, and I said, could there be some goal of goals, that every goal that we experience as a human, every goal we ever per pursue in this life as human beings, could it just be something that's kind of like a crumb trail that's meant to lead us to this ultimate goal, this goal of goals? Could it be that every pursuit, every experience we have of goal achievement, it's, it's really meant to lead us to the ultimate goal, which is this prize, the ultimate prize of being fully transformed to Christ. Now, it's just here we have to stop and pause because we don't think that way. From the time we're educated in, in the educational system of our countries, we don't have people teaching us, little boy, little girl, 
the, the greatest thing that you can ever do in your life is pursue character development to be likened to your creator. We, we don't have that embedded in us. We don't have that reinforced in us. We, we just don't have that kind of thing taught. So you and I have to pause, open our hearts, open our minds to believe. Now, now, this is where I'm taking folks. Trust me on what I'm about to say. The happiness, the joy, the highest good that is attainable, the most quality experience, that, that, that ultimate life of joy, bliss, enthusiasm, excitement, that ultimate goodness that we're all pursuing, that happiness, call it whatever you want. This is what it is. Paul knew it. Paul knew that the aim, the real prize, the real prize was to develop and to become more like Christ. Let me show you how this works, folks, and you'll know that this is true experientially. You ever notice something? When you do bad things, you feel how? You feel bad. Oh, you may feel good initially, but you ultimately feel bad. Turn it around. When we do good things, you're kind to somebody, you're, you're gracious to somebody, you're, you give somebody some help, how do you feel? You feel good. We are wired because we're made in the image of God that when we partake of the image of our Creator, it fills us with joy. It fills us with healthy self-esteem. It, it gets us into a state of stability and clarity. Paul is saying the prize, the reason he pursued it with such intensity was because he knew it's the highest good. If for no other reason, listeners, um, to pursue this for yourself, do so selfishly. Um, the happiness that we seek in multitudes of other things, persons, places, and things, it cannot be attained. It has to happen from the inside, and it, it happens as from the inside out, we become transformed. We start feeling what Jesus felt. We start thinking like Jesus thought. We start doing what Jesus did. That's what Paul meant was, I want to know him. I want, I want to become like him, even if it means suffering and so forth. It's the prize. It's your and my highest good. And Paul understood that. Now, I want to share what else he says about this. So he says in verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have attained this. Instead, I am single-minded, forgetting the things that are behind and reaching out for the things ahead. He's giving a picture of a running race. With this goal, with this goal, he called it an aim. Now he calls it a goal. With this goal, I strive toward the prize. The aim, the goal, the prize are all one and the same. It's the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, meaning it's the eternal intention of God. It's our purpose for existence. Paul understood this. Listen to what he says in verse 15. Therefore, let those of us who are perfect, now he uses that word tilio again, mature. There are stages of maturity. You're going to see how he describes it. So I am maturing, but I'm not yet utterly mature. I am moving. I'm making progress. I'm gradually becoming more like Christ, but I'm not there. So there's maturing, and then there's ultimate maturity, which is the prize that Paul had not yet reached. Therefore, let those of us who are perfect or mature embrace this point of view. If you think otherwise, God will reveal to you the error of your ways. In other words, if you're pursuing some other goal that you think is more important than this goal, he says, God will eventually show you the error of your ways. Sometimes we learn the hard way. Verse 16, nevertheless, let us live up to the standard that we have attained. Be imitators of me, brothers and sisters, and watch carefully those who are living this way, just as you have us as an example. So we looked at kind of discovering what is this goal? What is this secret goal of goals? Well, it's, it's this pursuit to be transformed beings, to, 
to have the image of our Creator reconstructed within us and ultimately without us. But how do we get there? Do you just let go and let God? No. Paul's language is full of intensity. He says two different times, Dioko, I strive. I, I use the most intense, energetic, consistent pursuit of this. I keep my eye on this. I focus on this. And here's the beautiful thing, folks. This goal, this prize, this pursuit, this goal of goals, we can pursue it in any condition that we find ourselves in life. What did I say a minute ago? Paul was in jail. Paul didn't know if he was going to be executed or not, but he could pursue this Christ-like character development right there. He could pursue being who God meant him to be and doing what God meant him to do. It doesn't matter what season we find ourselves in life. That's the beauty of this goal. And this goal changes us inside in such a way that we have an internal climate control that alleviates our dependence on external circumstances. Some of you need to hear that especially right now because your external circumstances have taken a downward turn. Some of us are really struggling. We're really in shock. This whole thing has kind of boxed us in in a way and made us kind of, you know, be alone with ourselves and our own thoughts in ways that are uncomfortable. We can't stay distracted. But that's a good thing because if it brings you and I to that place where we start asking those big questions, what is that elusive thing that I'm looking for? I'll know it when I see it. Is this resonating with you now? When you hear me say, the purpose of your existence, the purpose of my existence, it's the, the great purpose, it, it's superior to every other purpose, is that you and I pursue every day of our life in every experience of our life, even if it's suffering, like Paul said, if I want to know Christ's sufferings too. We might be suffering at times in life. They can be opportunities for further development to experience what, what Christ felt like when he suffered for righteousness. There is no experience, there is no circumstance that cannot be used so that it catapults our development forward. And when our development is moving forward, we're becoming more mature and we're aware of progress. I'm telling you, that, that brings a unique kind of a joy that nothing can steal away. Now, you might notice that Paul repeatedly said in his passage that we, he hadn't attained. He says it two or three times, I haven't attained, I haven't attained. He says, some of you, you're mature, but you haven't attained. And so watch those that are a step or two ahead. Let them be your examples. Part of this pursuit, it not only has to be intense, it has to be realistic as we examine ourselves. In other words, we, we have to be humble. I have to be aware where I'm really at. I want to be like Jesus, but I'm not like Jesus. I've made some progress, but I haven't made enough progress. I'm going to forget, Paul says, I'm going to forget the things that are behind. I'm not going to just say, well, at least I'm better than I used to be and just leave it at that. No, no, no. He says, I'm going to keep straining. I'm going to keep agonizing. I'm going to keep persecuting for the prize, for the things that are ahead. I won't rest, Paul says, until I become exactly like Jesus. He was pursuing Christ-like character development in this life. It's the prize. If we could just believe that, folks, I'm telling you, this one truth will transform your life. It will fill you with enthusiasm that nothing can ever take away, no circumstance can take away. It will surprise you with the elevation of the quality of your life, regardless of your circumstances. It will fill you with a steadfast trust and devotion to God that no circumstance can detour, deter. And it will also surprise you, follow me on this, it'll surprise you with a contentment, a capacity for contentment in less than ideal circumstances for an indefinite period of time, which is very uncomfortable for us as human beings. So Paul 
said that there's an intentional component of this pursuit. If you and I are to become the Christ-like person that God intends, which is the prize, it's the ultimate purpose of our existence, we have to be intentional about it. We have to stay focused on the prize. The most important thing to your life, the most important thing to my life is my spiritual growth, my spiritual development. Therefore, I should utilize every means that God has made available to help me progress toward this goal. Becoming part of a church, going regularly, getting a good study Bible, studying it, learning how to pray, learning how to serve God, learning how to love others, learning how to deny ourselves. There's a million ways we can, we can move our growth forward regardless of the circumstance. This COVID crisis has jolted us and shocked us and stunned us. And some of us have taken tremendous losses. That dynamic can also be very powerful to catapult us forward toward further Christ-like development. Not despite the sufferings and difficulties and losses, but because of the difficulties and sufferings and losses. So Paul never lost sight. He never lost sight of the goal. So here's what I want to conclude with this. So the, the, the greatest prize in life is this Christ-like character development, and God wants us pursuing it with all of our might until our last breath. That's how we, we finish strong. That's how we go the distance in life until the last if some of you have uh, embraced this notion that, hey man, I'm just forgiven, but I'm never going to be perfect, so I'm not even going to try, you're greatly cheating yourself. You're greatly cheating what God wants to do in you and through you. You're greatly cheating everybody else that interacts with you. Man, don't cheat yourself. Keep your eye on this prize, and you must, and I must, make sure that I'm diligent right unto the end. I want to tell you a true story in closing. This happened on April 15th. I'm going to check my year on this. It was 2015, April 13th, 2015. There was a, a race, a 3,000-meter steeplechase race, University of um, Oregon and uh, University of Washington. And there was a young French guy who was at the University of um, Oregon, and his name I'll probably mispronounce, but it's Tangai Pepio. And Tangai Pepio was way ahead in this steeplechase, this 3,000-meter steeplechase race. So far ahead, he literally could be casual about it. I'm going to take about 28 seconds and show you a 28-second clip of this race, and I'm going to start with this right now, and the video should show for you. Take my word for it, there's a moral to this story. Yeah, it looked like a coronation for Tanche Pepio. He's getting the crowd. He wants the crowd to cheer his performance, and at the end, he gets pipped. He gets pipped by Marin Simon of Washington. And you just can't do this kind of stuff, Lewis. You can't, and you know, you see his face, and you know no one has to say anything. They don't have to explain it to him. He'll never make that mistake again. Did you see the look on his face? Did you see what happened? Did, did you see how, how casual he was? How unconcerned he was, and what happened to him? That guy blew right by him, and he did not win the race. Folks, Paul was in jail. He didn't know if he was going to live or die. He would end up living many years after this to serve Christ, but he never took his eye off the prize. The last writing we have of this man, this great servant of God, the Apostle Paul, is in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And what he says in verse 6 through 8, he said, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. 
Therefore, there is laid up for me the crown of life. He never took his eye off the prize. Folks, we need to subordinate everything else in our life. Every other goal is subordinate to this greatest goal, the goal of goals, the, the ultimate prize, the highest good, which is to pursue spiritual development, to become Christ-like in this life. God's called us to it. It's his upward call in Christ Jesus, and we're all capable of pursuing it. Don't be that guy. Don't be Tang Guy Pepio who took his eye off the prize. Closing couple thoughts. Is it possible that this message is coming to somebody that's never really been clear about your purpose in life? And this is the first time you've ever had an introduction to, to the purpose for which God has put you on this planet. And you've never considered ordering your entire life, subordinating everything else in your life to pursue spiritual growth first. Folks, when we pursue the prize first, Christ-like character development, we become better friends, better husbands, better wives, better employees, employers. We become better citizens. It's good across the board. If you've never taken this, this uh, stance before to pursue the prize, the goal of goals, I hope you'll do so today. Second question, maybe some of us have been missing some opportunities, things that we thought were uh, cursing us, things that we thought were suffering, uh, suffering for no apparent reason, losses that we've hated. Maybe instead we need to reinterpret these as opportunities to enter into Christ's sufferings. Christ didn't deserve any suffering, but he, he suffered so that others could see the truth about God's character and the truth about life in hopes that they would be drawn back to a trusting relationship with God. Let's let whatever we go through push us forward, never, never, never taking our eye off the prize. If we're going to finish strong, if we're going to you know, finish the course, we have to stay focused on the ultimate aim, the ultimate goal, the ultimate prize, which is Christ-like character development. FCF, let's pray. Father, our progress sometimes seems so slow and so painful that the thought that you promise us, that you promise we will absolutely someday be truly like Jesus. We, we will know from the inside what he feels like, the way he loves, how he sees things. We will never be tempted to sin again. We will have that eternal sacrificial love of Jesus coursing through us. We hunger and thirst after that now. And Father, I pray especially for those that this vision resonates in their heart and they are spontaneously, authentically, enthusiastically motivated by this vision, this prize, this high calling to be like Christ, I just pray that your spirit will just give them an extra sense of blessing as they now take intentional actions to pursue the prize for the rest of their days. We thank you for this beautiful high calling and the certainty that we will wear, Lord Jesus, your image someday. It's in your beautiful name, the name that gives us hope in all, all of life, we pray. Amen. FCF. Thank you so much. I uh, hope this message really meant something to you.